0: The Lord be with you and also with you. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We gather for ordered worship to worship together, worshiping Almighty God, to illumine the imagination by the beauty of God, to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to warm the heart by the love of God, to devote the will to the purposes of God, We gather for divine worship. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered this day for our gathered congregation here in Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership now and later around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and your material support, your written or emailed responses, your self selection of forms of leadership and service in our midst and as the spirit moves come Sunday your presence with us in worship. Today with pride and thanksgiving and a sense of promise in ministry for the future we welcome to our pulpit our own chapel associate for leadership development the Reverend Mr. Soren Hessler who is preparing for full ordination in the West Ohio Conference of the United Methodist Church later this year. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God. through him who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. In a way, beloved, the advent portion of our worship every Lord's Day is right here, just now. We pause, we pause in anticipation, we pause, we pause in prayer, We pause in confession all through these days of Advent and every Lord's Day all year long. You know, distracted sometimes, sometimes forgetful or just tired, we neglect to do something we mean to do or should do or want to do. Sometimes sin is as simple as neglecting to do something with or for somebody when we know we should, we know we could, and we know we would like to do so. Lament and compunction help us. They are utterly human feelings. They remind us of who we most want to be and what we mean to do. The preparation, prayer, penitence of Advent Make us ready for God's action in Christ and for ours through him. As our choir guides us, let us quietly offer our silent and personal prayers. Let us pray. mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. Beloved, hear good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks Thanks be be to God.
1: A lesson from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 61, verse 10, through chapter 62, verse 3. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its shoots and as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until her vindication shines out like the dawn and her salvation like a burning torch. The nations shall see your vindication and all the kings your glory, and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord, and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God.
2: Please join me in the reading of Psalm 80, verses 1 through 7 and 17 through 19 with the antiphon.
3: Ear, O Shepherd
2: of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth. In the presence of Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh, stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God, let your face shine that we may be saved. O Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed them with the bread of tears and you have given them the tears to drink in full measure. You make us the scorn of our neighbors, and our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine, that we may be saved. But let your hand be upon those of your right hand, the ones whom you have made strong for yourself. Then we will never turn back from you. Give us life, and we will call on your name. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts, let your face shine that we may be saved. rise and stand as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel.
4: Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke, chapter 2, verses 22 through 40. Glory Glory to you, you, O Lord. Lord. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ.
5: Good morning. Would you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you this day, O provident God, our strength and our Redeemer. Let me first begin by thanking Bob Hill for the opportunity to be with you this morning as your preacher today. If you've read the the chapel's term book printed this summer, you may know that Dean Hill was scheduled to be preaching today. More on that in a moment. When talking with people about where I work, I often refer to Marsh Chapel as a teaching church fulfilling that role of providing hands-on training for the next generation of clergy in much the same way that so many of our local hospitals as teaching hospitals prepare a new generation of medical doctors. At the chapel, we employ undergraduate students in a paid internship as they discern vocation and explore the practices of ministry and leadership. As a contextual education field placement site, the chapel hosts seminarians in their second and third years of study as they hone the skills necessary both for local church ministry and for leadership in nonprofit and academic settings. Finally, the chapel retains a few emerging church leaders, each with advanced theological training as members of the university's part-time chaplaincy staff usually charged with the management of one or another of the chapel's specialized ministries. My wife and I are fortunate enough to be part of this third group. Like several of our chapel associate colleagues, we are entering the final stages of the process toward ordination in our respective traditions. Each of our categories of part-time staff, our marsh, ministry, and chapel associates are on a learning journey, yes, Our time at Marsh is spent in service to the chapel community and to the university more broadly. But we are also preparing for other kinds of leadership and service in the world. Is the same work of preparation taking place across the university day by day, week by week, in laboratories, classrooms, and lecture halls. Being part of a university community predisposes people to being in a mode of expectation, whether for the completion of a hard-earned degree, the beginning of a new job or a new career, or simply the publication of an article. Students, doctoral students like me especially, are accustomed to, work, to waiting a long time. But when the happy, long-expected moment comes, our joy is also the joy of the community around us, Here at Marsh, we've celebrated one of those long-expected joys in the ordination to Christian ministry through the United Church of Christ of our friend and colleague, Liz Douglas, earlier this term. Over the past several weeks, Jen and I have had the blessed task of completing 17 final requirements to be eligible to interview for ordination in the West Ohio Annual Conference of the United Methodist Church. Among those tasks is the need to preach a sermon based on a a set of texts selected by the Conference Board of Ordained Ministry. With the Dean's blessing, I have the honor of standing before you today, working with those texts in a final examination of sorts. (laughs) If, as you heard the scripture lessons this morning, you thought to yourself, these passages don't quite sound much like the reading for the first Sunday in Advent, you would be right. The prophecy from Isaiah declaring that God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations is traditionally read alongside today's gospel lesson, which recounts Jesus' presentation at the temple and subsequent identification as the Messiah, first by Simeon and then by Anna, but... Depending on, upon your tradition, these texts are read either on the feast of the presentation of Jesus at the temple, or for most Protestants, on the Sunday following Christmas during certain years of the lectionary cycle. The gospel lesson is most definitely not a traditional Advent story. It is one of those few stories about Jesus' childhood. This is the same gospel text that you will hear at Marsh Chapel on December 28th, when my wife satisfies her conference requirement (laughs) with a better version of this sermon. (laughs) While the gospel lesson is not traditionally a text for the Advent season, it undergirds the contemporary observance of Advent as a time of waiting for Christ to enter the world. Our gospel narrative tells us that Simeon, had waited with patience, and prepared for Christ's arrival. Similarly, our story implies that Anna had been waiting, preparing, perhaps for decades, for Christ's arrival. What does this period of waiting and preparation look like for us today? Well, often in America, we experience the civic holiday of Thanksgiving as the beginning of the Christmas season, or at least that's what many retailers would have us experience. A variety of large department stores and other retailers opened on Thanksgiving Day this year to provide opportunity for shoppers to get great deals on their Christmas gift lists. For many, Thanksgiving has long been a time to spend with family, giving thanks for the important people in your life and the rich blessings we have But as the commercialization of the Christmas season expands, those once-a-year deals come at a cost, and especially high cost for those at the margins of our, our economic system. For thousands of hourly employees, many making not more than minimum wage, they have little option but to work on Thanksgiving Day if they hope to keep their jobs. I enjoyed much of Thursday visiting with my wife's parents who are here this morning, her grandmother and extended family, but one of my wife's cousins left the multi-generational family get-together quite early because she works at a retailer which was going to open Thanksgiving evening and stay open all through the night and into the evening on Friday. Do we really live into the season of Advent by shopping for deals on Thanksgiving Day? If we're to live into the righteousness foretold in the Isaiah text today, perhaps we as a nation ought to rethink our practices of preparation for Christmas. So, what ought we do to prepare for the celebration of Christ's incarnation on earth? What does it mean to be waiting for Christmas? Last year, Marsh Chapel, through the leadership of my colleague, chapel associate Jessica Chica, initiated the Sustainable Advent Project, an alternative to the consumerism run rampant during this time of year. You're able to sign up on the chapel website, bu.edu chapel, for a daily email devotional, which includes a sustainable practice you can enact to support the stewardship of God's creation. Perhaps you participated in Small Business Saturday yesterday. Yes, the annual event which encourages shoppers to patron small and local businesses is a trademarked shopping event by American Express. But the sentiment behind it that we should be and can easily be more economically and ecologically responsible consumers is a good one. If you haven't finished your shopping lists yet and still intend to do so, perhaps you can think about how you can use your dollars to support your local economy and workers at a fair wage while also reducing your carbon footprint. Reverend Brittany Longsdorf and her husband, Carson Dockham celebrate the advent season with an advent tree. They commit to writing notes to one another each day and leaving them for one another in numbered envelopes tied to the branches of the Christmas tree set up in the corner of their living room. Jen and I were so inspired by this that we skipped purchasing an advent calendar this year and have a wall of numbered envelopes in our apartment trying to approximate Brittany and Carson's tradition. There is no single best way to prepare for Christ's coming, but how will you walk closer with God as you wait for Christmas this season? Simeon proclaims Jesus as a light for the world. In this season of waiting, can we also be reflections of Christ's light in the world? For many, the period of waiting in Advent also coincides with a period of waiting for justice. The tragic shooting death of Michael Brown has rocked the nation. Public demonstrations, many of which have been participated in by my own students at the School of Theology, are seeking to foster legitimate public discourse about continuing racial inequality in America. Black Lives Matter is more than just a hashtag Yes, it does appear regularly in my news feed, recently affixed to a portrait of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King here on BU's campus, but it is so much more than that. It communicates the frustration felt by so many about the contemporary status quo in so much of America. One theology student has flown to Missouri multiple times in the last several months, to help organize and be part of the awareness-raising efforts going on there. To hear her speak with such conviction about the importance of using one's own body as a prophetic device is really, truly inspiring. Undoubtedly, she is a reflection of Christ's light in the world. But her path is not an easy one to walk there are other things that we're all able to do. We can start by having open and honest conversations with our neighbors about the variety of experiences we have had with police, with employers, with mortgage brokers, as we as a country seek to walk closer to God on a path toward justice for all. The reality is that I have not had the life experience of so many of my African-American and Latino, Latina colleagues, but I need to know their stories if I am to be a helpful companion on the journey for justice. How do we hear and learn each other's stories? We need to be involved in the neighborhoods in which we live. My friend and colleague, the Reverend Jay Williams, is the lead pastor of historic Union United Methodist Church in Boston's South End and a doctoral colleague of my wife's at Harvard Divinity School. Jay is leading Union with intentionality in developing neighborhood partnerships. In recent months, Union has been awarded several significant grants to further its ministry with and among Boston's poor and at-risk communities. In 2015, the church expects to launch a new feeding ministry with a community partner out of the soon-to-be-renovated community kitchen in the historic building. Many of you listening on the radio are part of religious communities with deep ties to your local communities through soup kitchens, free stores, and freedom schools. You celebrate Christ's incarnation into the world when you participate in these justice ministries day by day, week by week, really becoming neighbors with those whom you serve and serve among. A powerful instance of this work of dialogue, itself proclaiming the goodness of God's love, was captured in a striking image on Friday, a photo now captioned by several news outlets as the hug shared round the world shows a 12-year-old African-American, Devante Hart, tearfully embracing a white police sergeant, Brett Barnum, at a demonstration in Portland, Oregon on Friday. Devonte was holding a sign reading, free hugs, as protesters gathered and milled about with police in Portland. In an act of radical hospitality, Devante encountered complete strangers in conversation and offered a hug. As others have done, the police officer, Brett Barnum, also engaged Devontae in casual conversation. But then, according to the Oregonian newspaper, he asked Devontae why he was crying. Devontae's response about his concerns regarding the level of police brutality toward young black kids was met with an unexpected yes a sigh, and I know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The officer then asked if he could have one of Devante's hugs. This radical hospitality is practiced each week by students in the group I Embrace You, each holding free hugs, placards, on the plaza just outside Marsh Chapel. Sid Afromovich, an undergraduate classmate of mine, founded that student group a number of years ago while participating in a United Nations youth think tank committed to finding radical creative solutions for peace. The Free Hugs campaign is certainly not exclusive to BU. The simple gesture and conversation which ensues is practiced around the world in a variety of settings, and it has real, tangible results. If you feel drawn to this practice during Advent, I Embrace You will give you on-site training to become a hugger yourself. The act of kindness and finding common ground captured in the photo of Devante and Brett's embrace is exactly what Howard Thurman identified as part of the path of courageous, creative integrity. Devante and Brett both refuse to give in to fear, hypocrisy, and hatred. What Thurman calls the three hounds of hell that track the trail of the disinherited. Together, they wait actively for justice and their genuine act of dialogue announces the truth of Christ's incarnation in this season. As we seek to grow in righteousness this Advent season, to walk the path of courageous, creative integrity with Thurman, may we, as Isaiah writes, not keep silent. May we have the strength of Devante and Brett to actively seek and wait for Christmas and to proclaim the good news of the coming of the Messiah through courageous and creative words and deeds. Amen.
6: seated. We now come to the time in our service when we offer our prayers to God. Please assume a posture of prayer that's most comfortable to you, but either remaining seated, standing, kneeling, or coming to the communion rail as we sing together our call to prayer. Lead me, Lord. God of grace and mystery, be with us through all the unknown days lying before us, days when the black of night settles early in the west, days when the strong white of winter comes from the north, days when we look for the red of sunrise in the east, and days when the yellow noonday lingers in the south. Touch us that we may, be, that we may trust you and be strong, so that we may grow in union with all our sisters and brothers, so that we may see you more deeply into ourselves. We seek a vision from you, a vision of your mystery, a vision of ourselves and the love you have for us. May we answer you honest and true, generous and brave. Help us understand that for those who are faithful to you, life is not ended, but only changed. Help us join together with all you have created to say, Great and powerful is our God. God fills all heaven and earth with beauty. We have deep hope because God has promised everlasting life to God's faithful people. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And now with the confidence of children of God, we are bold to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven
3: Yes, Lord.
0: we pause for just a few moments to offer invitations to our radio listenership and our gathered congregation. For those present, if you will take a moment to use the red books that are on the aisle, fill in your name so that you may pass it along and thereby greet one another by name following the service. Especially take a moment to greet our preacher for the day, the Reverend Mr. Soren Hessler. We shall take From him, the word of wisdom, waiting for Christmas and report fully to the West Ohio Conference that he has done very, very well. I look across this room at all those involved in teaching, some retired, some active, and think of those across the radio congregation who can feel, as we do, the pride, the happiness, the sense of promise for the future, seeds planted in 2007 and eight are coming to fruition in 2014 and 15. Greet your neighbor and greet Soren. following service, we ask. Items related to Ferguson, including sermons this past fall, a recent post at deanhillblogspot.com, and a vigil here on the Marsh Plaza, Tuesday, 7 p.m. You are invited to engage. The vigil is led by the Reverend Brittany Longsdorf and others. You are invited. This December no. December 7th there is the monthly brunch at our residence at 9:45. Communion and dish to follow pass, uh, dish to pass luncheon follow the, the service and a 3 pm. blue Christmas service next Sunday. Friday, December 12th at 6 p.m. our annual university lessons and Carol service is held and then Sunday, December 14th, the lessons and carol service with the Dean's Open House to follow at the castle. December 21st is Christmas Sunday. We receive new members, currently five such. If you are interested, there are many ways to become a member at Marsh Chapel. If you are interested in a public presentation and so receiving membership, please speak to Caitlin Ngo this week. December 24th, Christmas Eve, we offer two services this year, one at noon December 24th with a light lunch following and one at 7.30 p.m. Candles and carols and communion with Tide Sunday following December 28th. This Advent, we encourage you to practice the discipline of invitation to bring a friend, to join a group, and to make decisions about giving. That is especially, we teach tithing here at Marsh Chapel by precept and example. We encourage planned giving through wills and bequests, perhaps remembering Marsh Chapel and the endowment of our deanship here. We encourage annual giving, perhaps with the use of a pledge card available in the Narthex. We encourage special giving, perhaps including a happy project this Advent, about which you will hear more next Sunday, to add pew cushions to the chapel, beginning in the front pews and going all the way to the back to encourage your participation and presence. As we prepare to receive the morning offering, we especially encourage our radio and internet listeners to take this moment to go to the Marsh Chapel website, click on the giving link, and make a generous contribution to support our ministry. You may also simply send a check to Marsh Chapel, 735 Commonwealth Avenue. Your tithes and generous gifts will strengthen our Marsh Chapel ministry, a heart in the heart of the city, and a service in the service of the city. And so as the choir sings, let us pause to present our tithes and offerings.
6: good gifts around us come from you, O God. You have given us life and new life in Christ. As you have given us gifts, so we offer our gifts that we may be gifts to one another, even as Jesus so taught and lived. Amen.
5: May the peace of the living God go with you as you boldly proclaim the good news of the coming of the Messiah. Amen.